the show before the show podcast, the official podcast of minor league baseball. Sam Dykes are in New York City. My name is Tyler Mon in Denver, Colorado. Sam is hitting the road to spring training coming to some. When when uh when is the flight? When are you leaving? When, the I'm flight is literally so to- jealous that you're going to be going somewhere warm. Well, you're going somewhere cool too, and we'll talk. Well, about Well, yeah, but like it's. I woke up this morning. It was negative five here, so I'm just like angry at you. <laughs> When you okay, that's fine. We can <laughs> we can start with anger energy with this week's show. That's fine. Um, I am literally getting on an airplane tomorrow morning Amazing. at 6 a.m. And I am flying down to Tampa, Florida uh, to begin my spring training journey. I will be in Florida for 12 days, hitting one camp per day. So 10 in total, starting with... Wait a the- minute. You're going to be there for 12 days. You're hitting one camp per day. Shouldn't that be 12 camps, Sam? No, it's... I'm flying in. That's the travel day. <laughs> Then I'm going to camp for 10 days in a row. That's and then just lazy. I'm leaving. That's what that sounds like. You couldn't make it to a camp tomorrow and on your travel day out. Unbelievable. No, no, I can't. <laughs> no, I love, I love baseball. I love this trip. I'm very excited for it, but it's, it's especially in Florida, which when you can yeah. go to Arizona, yeah. I'll be flying into Phoenix and just moving around Phoenix. This is flying into Tampa and then going to Lakeland for a day yeah. and then going down to Northport for a day and then going to Clearwater and, and moving all around. And I'm finishing in Fort Myers um, with, you know, the twins and the Red Sox and, you know, a stop in Sarasota along the way. There's everything that's on the Gulf coast of Florida, including Lakeland, which isn't really in the coast it's in the middle. That's my journey for MLB pipeline. So I'm very excited for that. That's starting Technically tomorrow, my first camp trip is on Saturday. Now, do you have them already plotted out of which is going to be which day, or do you kind of leave it? I remember when I used to go to Arizona uh, for our mill coverage, Josh Jackson and I, we would, you know, we would convene in our palatial Airbnb estate and we would sort of map things out when we got there. I'm like, all right, I'm thinking about the Royals this day, and then maybe I'll go to Glendale. And I, do you have like what's set for each day? Yes, I do have what's set okay. for each day. I'll try to keep people updated on where I'll be um, per That's day, fun. but a good way to to do this. And this is one reason why I'm going to the places that I am. I will be part of MLB Network's coverage, but they're calling the spring training sprint. Um, they're covering two camps a day, one in Florida, one in Arizona. I'll be doing hits, not from each stadium. A lot of them might be a little bit um, pre-recorded, but every day I will be in the camp that MLB Network is in. Cool. So Saturday, they will be in Lakeland. I will be in Lakeland. Um, the, the day after that, they'll be in Pittsburgh I'll, or they'll be in Bradenton. I'll be in Bradenton to cover Pirates camp. So I will be following their schedule. So if you are watching MLB Network and they tell you, hey, here's where we're going to be for the next week, I will be in the same place. That's fantastic, man. We are very excited for all of the coverage from Sam Dykstra in the uh, Grapefruit State. What is Florida? The Sunshine State. Sunshine State. Yeah. It's the Grapefruit League state to us really yeah exactly exactly plus i always get confused with that quote from old school where he calls cal or he calls uh colorado the sunshine state gorgeous gorgeous um anyway uh we do have a lot of stuff coming uh for spring training coverage and uh we've got a very interesting story that has popped up on the spring training horizon and that is one that we are going to discuss in this opening segment uh which is Philadelphia Phillies right-hander Noah Song is set to report to Philly spring training this week today in fact so we're recording this on Thursday the 23rd with the hopes of making his team's opening day roster after 
transferring his status with the United States Navy from active duty to selected reserves. You may remember Noah Song. Noah Song, 25 years old, pitched to the Naval Academy, drafted by the Boston Red Sox in the fourth round in uh, 2019. He pitched in 17 games at low A that year, and then was denied a waiver by the Department of Defense to forego that military obligation, and he's been on active duty ever since in the Navy. He went to flight school. Uh, he pitched for USA Baseball after that 2019 minor league season in which he pitched uh, with Lowell and he made it to uh, the final round of the premier 12 tournament with USA baseball um, and was extremely impressive against really, really high level talent. Then all of a sudden he was just gone from professional baseball for a couple of years uh, due to the situation with uh, the denial of the waiver. Um, This is fascinating, man. Noah song obviously has lost a few years, but is a guy with tremendous upside. He's only 25. This is going to be a really interesting, story to follow it is it's it's instantly become like one of the stories in Phillies camp which is fascinating to me because the Phillies are the defending NL champs Uh, we've already talked last week about like Andrew Painter the top pitching prospect in baseball is fighting for a a number five rotation spot they just added Trey Turner that's a new face in camp Bryce Harper hasn't shown up yet but seems to be working out in Las Vegas will be around soon there's a lot going on for the Phillies and then Noah Song shows up and it just Everything now revolves around him, which is more than we ever talk really about a Rule 5 pick. As much as I love the Rule 5 draft and the opportunity it gets guys to make a major league job, uh, it's just been fascinating to see this explode in the way it has. And I think some of that has to do with the market, right? There's a lot of interest in the Phillies now. Also, he comes from the Red Sox, who have had some really head-scratching moves, not only in the last few months, but like in the last few years, leaving Noah Song protected or unprotected in the rule five draft. There are some people out there who think they should have protected him, then put him on like the military service list, which would have effectively taken him off the 40 man roster. Wouldn't have had him count towards the 40 man roster anyways. Uh, And then they wouldn't have had to push him to the major leagues in the way that the Phillies now have to. It's just fascinating to watch it play out. Who is Noah song going to be? I think anybody who tells you with any certainty probably doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, Dave Dombrowski himself, you know, the the head of the Phillies front office, said he talked to Noah Song, said like, hey, what have you been doing? And Noah Song said, I've been throwing off to the side when I can. And he just started throwing off the mound for the first time in three years because he's been busy. Like, it's perfectly legit. Like, I don't blame him for doing that. It's amazing. Yeah. But, and I think part of the quote was, you know, what was it like doing that? He's like, it felt like I have not thrown off the mound in three years. It is difficult to do to just pick up a ball again and assume you can touch 99 miles an hour. I'm sure Noah Strong, he looks great. I've seen pictures of him. I mean, he looks like a person in shape. Good for him. But, you know. Something I've never looked like. Right. Well, you know. Impressive. I haven't either. I don't look like somebody who could ever have touched 89, never mind 99. But uh, for him, like, we're, yeah, he hasn't used a lot of his bullets. It's not like there's a lot of wear and tear on his shoulder or on his elbow. So there's, he has that going for him, but just picking up a ball again and and assuming you can flash a plus slider, throw a good curveball again, after so many years of non-use, I think is assuming a lot. What I think will be interesting to have happen. And people have talked about this on Twitter. I don't think he's going to make the Phillies, right? Like the Phillies are in win now mode. They can't just be holding down a 26 man roster spot for a guy who like is going to still be coming along. Even if they, try to say he's injured in some way you send him to 
to the minors to rehab. He just has to be on the active roster for 90 days. There are ways to get around it. That said, the Phillies can't carry a guy who's trying to figure it out for not for 90 days. That's just too difficult of an ask. I'm sure they're going to keep him in camp as long as they can, but then they can put him on waivers and another team can come in and swoop him and get those still, you know, those same rule five stipulations that he needs to be on the roster all year or else he gets returned to the Red Sox. And I would not be surprised if multiple teams try that, right? You look at teams like the Reds or the Tigers or the Pirates or, you know, some of these non-contending teams that should be doing everything they can to add talent, controllable talent that they'll have for years. Why not take a look at Noah Song? Just see what he has. Like if, if the Phillies aren't going to hold on to him, now you know he's going to pitch. That was the big question when the Phillies took him to Rule 5 drafts. It's like, yeah, it's a swing, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Nobody knew then that he would be out of military service by the spring. We know it now, and I'm sure a lot of teams are going to be giving him a look if he goes on waivers like that, just because they want want the chance to get a guy who at one point was a near top 100 prospect. Well, this week on uh, the latest episode of the show before the show podcast, we are headed not uh, to the Florida Grapefruit League, where Noah Song will be here in 2023, but across the country to the Cactus League, where we find last year's minor league saves leader, uh, Cam Robinson of the Milwaukee Brewers, who joins us from Arizona next. Well, we're very pleased this week on the show before the show podcast to be joined by Brewers relief pitching prospect Cam Robinson, uh, who we'll get to this in a little bit, but led the minors in saves last year. So some of you might recognize him from that from that. But Cam, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Uh, no problem. You know, I'm doing well. Excited to get into the season. First first big league camp, you know, as I start opening wider when you see all this shiny stuff around. Yeah, I actually wanted to touch on that because you just got added to the 40-man this mm-hmm. past fall. So now you are a fully – this is not a non-roster invite situation. You are a full-fledged member of Big League Camp. What have these last couple of days been like since the, you know, since that changed? Uh, I would say it's almost surreal because a lot of the guys in the locker room, you know, you, you grow up hearing their names or you play video games with them now, you know. Yeah, right. So it, it's it's – it's almost it's awesome, but it's kind of weird at the same time, because I mean, I'm like, oh, I just hit a bomb with this dude last week on the show. Now, now he's my locker mate. You know, is that how you do scouting? Like, I know you guys got to do live VPs and stuff. If you're going up against Yelich and you're just like, hey, I know in the game you're not as good at the high fastball. I need to go. <laughs> is that how it works? Sometimes you know you look at their cold spots on the game. It, it's almost a practice because you get to see what their swing path is like. All that fun jazz. There you go. There you go. Well, what are you working on right now? Because I think a lot of people don't understand what these first couple days are like. Games haven't started at the time we're talking to you, although mm-hmm. they will very shortly. But what is the day like for you right now in terms of getting ready, Just not even for the season, but just to let Cactus League play start? Uh, for me, it's a little different. I got here in early January for a pitch design camp. So I've kind of been – progressively getting ready and ready as you know the offseason was going but right now for the most you know we'll go out do some conditioning field ground balls do pfps play catch and then uh you know we'll do our weightlifting stuff training room but obviously you know it's all spread out in a period of time over a period of time but that's pretty much our days 
I want to go back to what you said a minute ago, a pitch design camp. Uh, tell us about what that's like. That's the type of thing that I'm so fascinated by now in the modern game. And like 15, 20 years ago, nobody would have had any idea of what that meant. Tell us about that. Uh, so for me, it was, I was going to get, I was throwing two sliders. One was kind of like a gyro-y slider that didn't move too much. And then a sweeper that moved a lot, but I could never differentiate between the two because I just kind of pick, picked it up and started throwing it. So some games would be good. Some games it wouldn't be as good. So we went into the lab to get a bigger gap between my cutter and my slider because the slider on the bad ones were basically a slower version of my cutter. That's so awesome. that, that's what I, I was in our pitch design lab for, for that for about three weeks. There is no cooler phrase, by the way, than modern athletes who get to say, oh, we went into the lab and I worked on blank. <laughs> that's like the coolest thing, I think, in the in this modern era. And there's so much information. Like there's so many things that you get to uh, utilize and, and sort of harness. Does it feel like now, I mean, as you're going into camp, do you feel like, oh, I know these are two very distinct pitches now that I have at my disposal? Oh, Yes. By far. That's awesome. Is there, are you excited to be able to sort of utilize them in, in different situations? I mean, do you kind of have a feel for, all right, I'm going to use the cutter more at, at X spot and the, mm -hmm. the sweeper, the slider is going to work better as a wipeout pitch or, or how do you approach that? So I try to be able to throw all three of my pitches in any count. It doesn't matter who's hitting whatever. So I try to get to the point where I'm comfortable with throwing all my pitches LO or you know, full count with bases loaded. That's, that is amazing, man. It's so fascinating to learn about that stuff. And you're, as Sam noted, you're coming off a season last year in which you're the minor league saves leader and becoming a, a relief prospect and getting into that role of trying to close out games. It's, Something that, on the one hand, prepares you very well for what you can eventually do in the major leagues. On the other hand, it's such a different atmosphere than what you'll eventually be doing in the major leagues. I mean, if you get to Milwaukee and you're closing out a game, you know, against the the Cubs in September and you've got a division title at stake, that atmosphere is going to be wildly different than being in, in Carolina in June and there's 1,700 people there. What What's the mentality like as a minor league closer where you're trusted with big spots, but sometimes it's the atmosphere probably doesn't dictate necessarily what the the gravity of the circumstance might be mm -hmm. so depending on the game or basically like how i got my sleep the night before if i'm low on energy i'll take a scoop of pre-workout to get the energy going and then it's almost like you got all the fans there the little bit of chatter you know boost you up but when you're in a packed house i mean it's all go it, it just comes so easy and and what do you feel like about your pitch mix? You know, your fastball, your curveball, your slider slash cutter. What do you feel like works best as a closer? I mean, the mm -hmm. fact that they entrusted you to that role and kept giving it to you to the point where you could lead the minors in saves. Um, hold on. All right, ask that question again one more time so I can okay. get a better grip on it. Yeah, sure. What what do you feel like about your pitch mix? You know, your fastball, your curveball, your slider slash cutter. What do you feel like? fits best in a closer role like how are you able to take on that role given the pitches that you have um so i think i'm just kind of like a distinct picture when it comes to in that relieving aspect because my natural forcing fastball is my cutter mm -hmm. so like a lot of reports say he throws forcing cutter curveball slider so there's they're thinking fastball it cuts away from them they're thinking cutter it's probably going to be my slider. That's just a little bit harder than 
the average sliders, you know? So I think my pitch mix just kind of catches guys off guard, especially, especially like I throw with a high arm slot. So that downward like path tunnel, like the ball comes out of and cuts through is, is just different than a lot of the hitters see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to actually ask you about that. How did your delivery kind of develop? Is that something you've had since high school or at mm-hmm. one point where you're like, I'm really going to cover over the top and just be uncomfortable for guys. So I was a quarterback growing up. So that's kind of where the up top arm angle came from. And I was told by like a baseball coach when I was growing up, just throw it the same way. And eventually my four seam started cutting. So uh, that's really <laughs> all I got for the pitching um, mechanic wise. No, that'll, I mean, that'll do it. And and at what point was that where you realized, Hey, this has some cut on it. This is not just a natural four seamer. Uh, the COVID year when we didn't have a season, I was playing catch with one of my buddies from back home who at the time was at the University of Tampa and they didn't have a season as well. So we're playing catch, doing pull downs and stuff. And for that period of time that he was home, it was just like, hey, bro, every time we're playing catch, you, your ball is cutting. Like, are you doing that on purpose? And I'm like, nah, whatever. Yeah, it's cutting. I don't, I don't, I've heard that before, but never really th- thought anything of it. And then I come into – that following year spring training 21 and now it's just a pitch that naturally no one's ever seen in our org yeah so, i was gonna it, i was gonna ask about that too because like coming out of the the pandemic year like 2021 was your breakout year mm-hmm. so once you had that information that like hey this is cutting more and this is something york doesn't have how did that change your outlook that spring and moving onward you know when you finally got your affiliate assignment Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was kind of just throw it somewhat down the middle shade either way just throw it over the plate and see what they can do with it and then after a while I started actually seeing the ball moving while I was throwing it so that was like the point where I realized like this is a nasty pitch like occasionally I'll get a 94 mile an hour slider per se <laughs> you know what's crazy is I think if I remember I'm pretty sure that Mariano Rivera's cutter, like he just picked up the ball differently one day and it started doing that. And like, he didn't really have a specific explanation for it. Like, have you heard of that happening with other guys? Uh, no. So I was the first that I knew of that happening. And then Mariano was actually speaking in our rookie meeting this a uh, couple weeks ago and he told us a story, you know, he basically said every time someone would interview him, he would say, um, it was like a gift from God. He just picked it up and that's what it started doing. That is amazing, man. And especially to realize how effective it can be. Um, mm-hmm. I have to ask being somebody who is in Brewers camp, uh, you get a chance to be now on a 40 man roster with a guy who has maybe the coolest named pitch and one of the most lethal pitches in baseball and Devin Williams with the airbender. Uh, have <laughs> you, have you approached him at all and been like, Hey man, how do you do that? I haven't approached him on the change of or screw, but whatever, whatever the world calls it. I haven't him on it. Um, how much do you get to talk to guys about like, Hey, I want to learn how to do whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Like what is the process to be able to go, especially to the veteran guys? I would think it's probably somewhat intimidating to just go up and be like, Hey, I want to learn this. Can you help me out with that? So all of our guys in our locker room, they're super cool, super relaxed. Like you can actually just walk up to any of them, introduce yourself and start chit-chatting. Like that, that's a, a bunch of the veterans have came up to me and like introduced themselves just because we're in like common areas. 
and it, it's awesome. But like back on the Devon, I was his throwing partner when he was rehabbing back in 2017. So I got a sneak peek of the changeup before it, it blew up. And I always told people like that I was when I was playing catch with him, it just it looked different. I've never seen anything like it. it looked like I don't know a back like it was spinning the wrong way or something. <laughs> That's amazing. Could you at that time? Uh, could you tell like, oh, this is this is gonna be a thing. I mean, this is like a, a this is a pitch that is so good that it's going to be extremely effective in getting big league hitters out. So this was my first year getting drafted. So I actually didn't know who he was, didn't know anything about him. Just knew he was a guy coming off of a UCL tear. So I, it it was like one of my first people I played catch with. Even that is amazing. That's amazing. And like, what a way to be in your early years of, of pro ball and like seeing these things that, uh, you know, eventually you're going to take the baseball world by storm. Well, and you last year, I know May and June and on into July is when, you know, you get out there and April is always like, I feel like April, especially with, you know, affiliates that are um, in chilly places and all that. If you're not at a complex league, like April is kind of a wash somewhat, but May, June and into July, when you started hitting that rhythm, of going out and having these dominant outings one after another and closing out games and all that. What does that feel like mentally? I mean, when you get the ball or when you get the the nod, when you know you got to start getting ready and mm. you have been so locked in for a stretch of five or 10 or 15 outings or whatever it is, what does that feel like to be in that role? Uh, it, it's just like kind of flows, you know, you just try not to change anything. You just go about your day the same way you did the day before. And you just try to keep repeating it, repeating it, repeating it until you can't. So when I was when I was on a roll like that, it was I just go home, play some <laughs> MLB the show, work on <laughs> mixing pitches up. <laughs> All right, actually, I got to jump in with one. You are uh, you're a Florida born guy, uh, but now you're in the Brewer system, and you can plead the fifth on this. Do you now that when you play the show, you got to play with the Brewers, right? Like, can you play with anybody else, or uh, you have every- to play with the Brewers? That was fun. Uh, every time I try to play with the Brewers. Okay. So All right. we had a uh, franchise league, me and some of my boys from back home. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I got the Brewers. Like, no doubt. Like, whatever. And I picked them. And, you know, we have a nasty pitching staff. So they're like, no, you can't use them. Their pitching staff is too good. Like, I'm like, bro, how are you guys going to make me switch up like my team? Brewers prospect has to play with non-Brewers team. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's true. Exactly. You can't, they can't take that away from you. That's not fair. <laughs> nope, but we got guys using the Red Sox. Like, come on, dude. Oh, man. Had, like one of the best hitting teams on the show last year. <laughs> well, like when when you are taking over a franchise mode, how much how quickly do you promote yourself? <laughs> I've actually I'm yet to play with myself in the game. Oh man. That's gonna be a big I, day. I think uh I I got into like the minor league roster on the show like sometime in maybe August last year. So that's that's about when MLB the show dies down for me, because play from March all the way to then, you know, that's a lot of months. Right. So I didn't really get to play with myself or hit a bomb against myself on the road to the show, which would have been dope. At least you can put it that way that it would be dope to hit it against yourself. I guess that is that is like some that is some Matrix stuff. That's yeah, like, right. that is very that's very meta, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> Cam Robinson on the mound. And Cam Robinson up to bat. I mean, who knows his stuff better than you, right? That is like, true. You, you know what he what's coming. It's a very good yeah. point. 
You know how it's going to move. <laughs> exactly. I can I can track my, my own pitches. <laughs> well, if we can go to real life here for a second, we, we mentioned a few times you led the minor leagues in saves with 25. And Tyler, I'm sure you remember this. Like we we talk to guys who lead the minor leagues, like the entire minor leagues in a category. And one mm. of my favorite questions to ask is how aware of that are you? Like saves is so dependent on your team has to be ahead. You have to be given the ball in the ninth inning, all of these things. Like it's not as easy as leading in stolen bases or home runs where you're just swinging for the fences all the time. But how aware of that were you down the stretch? Like I want to hold on to this number one spot. So down the stretch, I kind of had to let it go because once I got up to AAA, I didn't have any save opportunities. Right. So it was just like, oh, well, I hope no one, you know, gets more than me. But I want to 2021, they like MILB Central or something like that would post like weekly leaderboards and they used to have saves. And then at the beginning of this year or this past year, they did that as well. And then about a month into the season, it was off. So around then is when I was like, okay, well, I guess no one cares about this. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. Well, I mean, I, we care. I will say that if, if, if you, your presence here is any uh, truth to the matter, we, we care about it. But, um, and then one of the other things Tyler and I were talking about this earlier is, and I, this might not be a thing in the minor leagues, but like we were talking about Mariana before Ender Sandman is a big song. You were talking about your routine going into the game, but like when you were playing at home games and you were like, Hey, I'm going to be the closer. Did you get to choose your music? And what was it? I did. Um, so one night we were just a group of us were hanging out playing video games and on a random like I think it's like infinity button on Apple Music. A song came on by uh, Wiz, or Wiz Khalifa features in it. It's called Brand New. And Wiz's actual name is Cameron. So in his verse of the song, he says, like, Cameron has this. Cameron did this. Cameron did this. All this stuff. So I used that this past year as my walkout song. Oh, see. Like some people take on the the nick like Mariano Rivera becomes Sandman. You're yeah. already in the song. Like that's yeah, yeah. that's easy. <laughs> yeah, that's so much cooler. <laughs> um, all right. So how do you kind of attack this this spring training then? You you said already, like triple A, you had to go up there, you knew you weren't the closer anymore. Now you're you know, you're on the 40 man, you're technically fighting for a major league spot. How do you kind of attack that and try to show, especially as a reliever in which you're only getting an inning or two here and there, try to prove your major league readiness? Mm. So for me, it's just being me, like, just don't try to do too much, stay within myself and whatever happens, just let it happen. You know, you go out there, you have a good outing. Cool. Nice. Let's just move on to the next one. Try to repeat. You go out there, have a bad outing. Cool. Whatever. Wash it, wash it off in the shower and have a good day the next day. Um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's really it for that. Cam, let's go back even further in your your baseball life for a minute. Uh, you were drafted out of high school, and uh, you make the decision to sign out of high school. And I know there's so much that goes into that. Of course, like you know, you had a college commit that I know came uh, a little late to USF, and um, you're a 23rd round pick, so you're right in that spot where it's like you can sign. You could go to school. What were the the decision factors that go into, yeah, I want to try this right now? Because you're a 2017 pick, but you're still so young. We look at most guys that were 2017, if they were coming out of you know college or whatever, and they are a little bit further along age-wise, you're still so young now at this stage in your career. What what led you to signing out of high school? 
Oh, my, my pops. <laughs> so funny story. He was a principal there at this time. Um, so I was in the kitchen talking to my parents. We were kind of debating on whether I should go to school or sign. And ultimately it came down to a question he asked me. He goes, look, my middle name's Julian and my dad's name's Cameron as well. So they call me Julian at home. He goes, look, Julian, if I had a bag of books or a bag of money, which one would you want? And that's how the the, <laughs> the deal was made. That's honestly the most straightforward and uh, relatable query in that conversation that I could imagine. That's like what it comes down to. That is, that's fantastic. I, I very yeah. much like the clarity of that, and especially to be at that stage in your, in your life and think like, no, this is what I want to do right now. That's, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I mean, I always got good grades. So school wasn't like that, that. Yeah. Thing do. I was like, yeah, I mean, I go to school, I get paid for it. Still get to play baseball. And then now they, they're offering you money and they tell you you can do what you like doing that a kid game for, for a living. Sure. That's amazing. So, so what were the conversations like with your parents when you got added to the 40 man, like all these years later, like that question that set you off on this journey, you know, Mm -hmm. who knows what would have happened if you went to USF. Now you're on the 40 man roster for a major league team and one step away at any moment from making your debut. What were those conversations like in November? Um, so dad, realist, let me first, he, he, <laughs> let me start. He's always supported me and he's always, you know, had my back no matter what, but we, we were, you know, sitting down talking and he said, you know, about seven years ago, if you would have told me or someone would have came up to me and told me that you would have got drafted, you would have then worked your way up to the 40 man and have a shot at being a big leaguer. I would have told them no shot, but I'm proud of you. And I'm, I'm happy. I could be, you know, a part of this journey with you as long as my mom being there as well. But that's kind of how how that combo went. Yeah. I mean, it has a happy ending, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's all that matters. All right. Well, we'll end on this one. Um, I always like to ask guys this question too, especially those who are right on the cusp of a spring. Are you somebody who allows yourself to envision what a major league debut will look like? And if so, what, what in your head, does that look like? So I have envisioned this a lot of times. Um, so the Brewers were playing in either Tampa or Miami, preferably Tampa. That's where I was born. Um, I'm on the mound with a bunch of people that are from my hometown or that were there when I was born because my parents had me in college. You know, it takes a village to raise somebody at that, that point of life so it's just on that mound and getting a save with two punch outs two punch outs oh it's it's down to that i like that i like that at the end with two punch outs (laughs) that's awesome gotta make sure there's two punch outs you know one to throw the ball away to save forever and the one to save for my first save there you go see that's like liam hendrix level stuff of like making sure you have the ball we have a closer who, who's big into authentication already. So I love it. I love it. Well, Cam Robinson, thank you so much for taking all this time and, and speaking with us here on the show before the show. We're wishing you all the luck uh, down there in Phoenix, and we'll keep a close eye on how the next couple of weeks go ahead of you. And hopefully that MLB debut with two Ks is, is right down the pike. I appreciate you guys for having me.
Well, huge thanks to Cam Robinson, last year's minor league baseball saves leader for joining us on this week's episode of the show before the show. And we go from uh, saves leader in the minor leagues to a guy who saves us from week to week on this podcast. That's Benjamin Hill who joins the show. Hi, Ben. The savior, the savior of minor league baseball. <laughs> the That's saves me. leader on the show. All right. Well, yeah, you went I from mean, save leader to savior. <laughs> I guess we could ask you this, Ben. Like, what would your be? What would your closer entrance song be? Oh, I thought about that a lot, and then I have all these awesome ideas, and I usually forget them. For both walk up and closer, I often yeah, I'm the same um, exact way. I'll hear a song and think like, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll make a note it. of it. I might think about tweeting it, and then I kind of forget. So I know I have a lot of great ones. I mean, a real kind of basic one I always go back to, which would work as both closer, you know, more stretched, stretched out or just, uh, you know, at bat. You know, I'm a big fan of Black Sabbath, as I've talked about a few times on the show. But, you know, they have one song, uh, Electric Funeral, which just has this catchy but real dirge like riff, you know. Down, 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 down. Oh, down, yeah. Down, 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 down. You know, it's a real early Sabbath. And I love how Ozzy sings. His vocal pattern is just the riff itself, you know. You know, that's not how he sings, but I don't want to get the words wrong. I was, I was thinking, Can we just like, make this the whole segment. Yes, yeah, just have Ben coming, do- you better hide. <laughs> War Pigs is an incredible song. Yeah, I, War War Pigs would be like the perfect closer entrance song. And do do, yeah, no, that would, that would be good. I don't want to go too far into it. We might be bumping into rights issues here. With dun, 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 dun. I think these are such poor renditions, and no one would ever be able to recognize yeah. it. <laughs> Nobody can claim that we are ripping off. <laughs> Black Sabbath in any way with any of this. Yeah, so that's a simple one. Tonight, I'll be like, oh, yeah, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? But, you know. That reminds me of uh, at the beginning of this podcast, nine years ago, eight years ago, whatever it was. um, We had the idea of, yeah, eight years this year. Holy smokes. Yeah, the idea of like, well, should we have theme music? Should we do this? Should we do that? And I, I suggested to uh, the the person in the department who was kind of heading up the project, I was like, can we use the uh, the theme music from uh, King Griffey Jr. Baseball for Super Nintendo? And he was like, I don't think that'll work. Was like, <laughs> I don't think we have the rights to be able to use that. I was like, come on. It's like the greatest sports video game theme song ever. Yeah. So, if any, you know, 8-bit composers out there or 16-bit composers. Uh... Yeah. You want to fire us up a little... Uh, a little retro 90s game themed song we would gladly add that to the show before the show yeah i think it's about time where we change up the music every yeah show. every few kind years yeah we kind of swap out uh swap out the music we are probably overdue for a change anybody well, who's tuned in who knows how to compose retro video game themes Give us give us your best crack at something that sounds like ken Griffey jr presents major league baseball but isn't um but those are good answers for uh for entrance slash walk-up songs uh, i've always thought that it would be really funny to just go up to like a very grandiose piece of classical music you know like just something that people will make everybody in the ballpark be like what the hell? what is happening right now why who is who is this dude like coming in a pinch hit and that's just you know the entire score of the hms pinafore sung by sideshow bob uh, that'd be a fantastic plan. Um, well, Ben, what do you have going on? It's, uh, obviously the, the time of year where promo schedules are, are rolling out fast and furious. I know we had a lot this week, a lot in the newsletter ballpark guides continue to come out. Where should we start in the buffet 
of Benjamin Hill content. Yeah, in ballpark guys, I'm talking about them every week. We're getting closer and closer. Uh, Northwest Arkansas Naturals, uh, Arvest, Arvest ballpark uh, came out today completing the royal system right now all those ballpark guides are at milb.com slash fans slash ballpark guides uh you can find a little tab on the main page that goes to those two but building out an interactive map and getting real close to the end of that project so that's a big one um yeah newsletter we're talking on thursday that came out today um my, it's something we've talked about I think before, well, we talked about what Hartford bouncing pickles and pickle laws. And, you know, I went into that um, about the fact that there's Trenton Thunder and Hartford Yard Goats uh, both have promotions this year related to pickle laws and uh, the absurdity of pickle based uh, local laws. So I just had to write about that. You know, I like that kind of uh, bizarre confluence of events in minor league baseball with promotions. By the way, did we get any clearance from the NYPD to close off anything to drop pickles? You guys were supposed to be on. Oh that's, yeah, we talked still, about that. Uh, the the uh, permission is still up in the air. Yeah, the wheels the wheels are still in motion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not a done deal. Okay, just wanted to follow up on it. Done, done deal. It did not sound like dill. I'm I tried sorry. to make it super uh, subtle, but maybe I made it too subtle. It's actually. Uh, yeah. Was anyway. Was anyway. Good. Yeah. A lot of uh, promos coming out every day. New promo schedules. Uh, you know, hot off hot off the press. Um, Hudson Valley Renegades uh, announced their uh, promo schedule today, and it, it's headlined. You know, right in the press release headline. You know, highlighted by Snooky Night. So Snooky from the Jersey Shore uh, reality show. That's the big one for Hudson Valley. And she's actually from Marlboro, New York, which is near where the Hudson Valley Renegades play. I think technically they're based in what Wappinger Falls. It's also near Beacon. It's around that area. So they didn't mention this, but I looked it up. It's September 8th, Snooky Night. I was like, I wonder who they're playing. And lo and behold, who are the Hudson Valley Renegades playing when Snooky is going to be in the ballpark? The Aberdeen the- Iron. No. <laughs> <laughs> the fake tan solutions um the jersey shore blue claws jersey shore blue claws so they should not be like was... the jersey shore situations for that night or something yeah <laughs> literally the only other person that i could name from that show oh me too me too wasn't there a guy named like joey t-shirts or something like that or yeah no, that sounds right time at some point yeah, yeah i remember the t-shirt time, time thing because in when i worked in myrtle beach when we would have a free t-shirt throw out thing after like the sixth inning or whatever they would play that sound bite where they say it's t-shirt time and i remember finally like midway through i think it was like my second season there i went to jake white who was our uh our head you know creative video board audio pro- i was like what is that from and he's like oh it's from jersey shores what i was not in on that particular cultural phenomenon no i was not either the only time i ever watched it when i was sick in a hotel room during a minor league baseball promo seminar in who knows what city but <laughs> memories the most ben Hill story <laughs> that could possibly exist it was at the promo seminar i don't remember where yeah <laughs> there have been so many of them. there is you know i've lived a peripatetic life um so anyway, that's a that's a highlight. You know, last week on the show, we had Alan Miller, the new uh, president and owner of the Lake County Captains. He talked a little bit about the captains uh, promos coming up this year, including Richard Knight, which is happening, a Richard parade 
uh, on one of their sausage fest nights, but he also mentioned this one and it's happening. The John Ryan punt challenge. John Ryan, also a member of the ownership group, um, is a former NFL punter member of the, uh, Seahawks Super Bowl champion team. And so they are having a promo where you could win a chance to take a punt back during the game kicked by, uh, or punted by John Ryan. So I'll be interested to see that one. It's like during the game, I guess the between inning break, they set a fan up in the outfield and uh, have uh, John Ryan kick it to him. Now, if you drop broke. it, if you if you drop it, or as they say in uh, in football parlance, if you muff the punt, uh, what happens? Is that the end? Do you get to pick it up? Do you can you recover and try to return say. it? All it says is, uh, you know, just you know, you can register to win a chance to take a punt back during the game. Participants hmm. who successfully catch a punt, so more than one person will have this chance, will be upgraded to the John Ryan ownership suite and showered with praise. Huh. So, uh, very exciting. They also have uh, he did not mention this one, but uh, Walt Whitman night, which will he be in attendance? He will not. Well, maybe you never know, but I think he might be dead. Um, Walt Whitman. Will they have a Ouija board? Yeah, he's not from East Lake, Ohio or anything. But, you know, one of his best known poems starts at the lines, Oh, Captain, my captain. So I think Uh, that's why they're having it. Our fearful trip is done. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. The captains pay tribute to poet Walt Whitman on what would be his 204th birthday. So he's not alive. Wow. On the leaves (laughs) of grass. At Classic Auto Group Park. That's it. That's, so there you that's go. Sure. There you go. I was going to make a Leaves of Grass reference. I just did like. I did like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, it was, it was about Abraham Lincoln. My was first Walt, Waltman, Walt Whitman reference is that episode of The Simpsons where he's, I think Homer's looking for his, where he thought his mother was buried. And then he actually goes and visits and it's Walt Whitman's gravestone instead. And he's like, damn you, Walt Whitman. <laughs> I do remember that episode. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Walt Whitman, I believe, wrote about baseball substantially late in life. Uh, isn't he the one that uh, Annie in Bull Durham references? Um, yes. It will repair our losses and be a blessing to us. Repair our I do losses. believe. Yeah, he, he was a Brooklyn guy in the 19th century, and I think he was captivated by America's newly popular national pastime. That is Walt Whitman, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. However, the the first thing that I uh, that I see under the confirmation that it was Walt Whitman is a story from the Los Angeles Times titled "Quote Did Bull Durham Misquote Walt Whitman on Baseball?" <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, it might not actually be a quote, but anyway, please continue. So anyway, Walt Whitman, and you know, so we have catching a punt from a former NFL punter. We have uh, Walt Whitman. We have uh, Midnight. In honor of Bugs, Midges, you know, the Lake County captains are a Cleveland affiliate. And uh, so they're paying tribute to Midges, you know, who played a great role in that uh, Yankees, that New York Yankees, Cleveland uh, playoff game years back. When they Java Chamberlain yeah, going when, to be involved somehow. Yeah. They, I, I Former hope get, Nebraska Cornhusker Java Chamberlain. So celebrating Midges at the ballpark. And then this is one I love that I, I, Back when I used to be a little more pestering with ideas I thought teams should do, but Cleveland Record Fair, they're having a record fair on the concourse. You know, local people from local stores, local dealers, DJ. That is just such a cool thing to do. And I just wish more teams did that. I know that is pretty cool. 
a limited thing, but it does feel very fitting that it's in the Cleveland area that it's happening. That's really cool. Yeah. So that's awesome. Cleveland is maybe not the birthplace of rock and roll, but it is where the rock and roll hall of fame is. And uh, they've got a great rock and roll history there. And uh, you might even say Cleveland rocks. Yeah. Cleveland rocks. Yeah, exactly. A lot of weird underground bands through the years in Cleveland too. Um, Speaking of Cleveland, not really, but Ohio, we'll stay in Ohio. We've talked about the Akron Rubber Ducks quite a few times. Um, we talked about their sauerkraut balls, food-related alternate identity, which they announced on New Year's Day. And then once again on a federal holiday, this time President's Day, they announced another alternate identity, and that is Devil Strips. And when you just see Devil Strips is the alternate identity, you think like, what is that? Another Northeast Ohio food product? You My know? first thought was like, uh, it's like a chicken finger with weird spices or something. That's what I was kind of thinking. Something, you know, dipped in cayenne pepper, just really right. Super spicy. Yeah. But on July 7th, they're going to be the devil strips. The logo is a red faced devil with green hair and a green goatee. That green hair and green goatee is meant to represent grass because a devil strip refers to the grassy area between the street and the sidewalk. The term is believed to be first used in Northeast Ohio to describe the area between streetcars going in opposite directions. The current use of the term was first used in Akron in the late 1920s. So they are playing as the devil strips in honor of a regionally specific term devoted to that grassy area between the sidewalk and the streets. So I, I think there is a term for those out here, but I don't, I know it's not devil strip and I have no idea what it is. Like the, what a hyper specific thing to not only have the name for, but know that it was first used in your region. That's pretty impressive localization. We've learned a lot about Northeast Ohio through the Yak and rubber ducks over the last couple of years with sauerkraut balls and with Jojo's, you know, the potato side dish. And now with uh devil strips and probably other things I'm forgetting, but uh minor league baseball is always an educational experience. So all the stuff we've been riffing about, it has been very, you know, Ohio based so far, but just uh, goes to show there's a lot of stuff being announced. There will continue to be a lot of stuff being announced. We are, of course, getting for real close to opening day right now. And independent of all that, this is something I came across earlier today when I was looking for something else. I put it on Twitter, but in case you guys didn't see it, I'll ask you this. Who is the oldest living Arizona Diamondback? The oldest living Arizona Diamondback? Yeah. So I'm because you know back. there's like there's one guy still alive from the Brooklyn Dodgers who's I forget his name, but it's an interesting story because he was 18 and played one game in 1943 wow. and he's now 97. So I was looking from one thing to another, and then I just saw a team by team list of oldest living players, and I just thought that phrase was funny. The oldest living Arizona Diamondback. It definitely sounds like a weird owl song in some way. Yeah. Um Oh, man, I feel like, yeah, it could be somebody who was like at the tail end of their career in 98 when they debuted. It's not like Charlie Huff, is it? It is not, although I didn't look at the Marlins, but I'm almost sure he is. He he would be the guy. He has to be the oldest living uh, Miami play, Miami Marlin, Florida Marlins player. I will tell you that the oldest Tampa Bay Devil Ray, the oldest living Tampa Bay Devil Ray, is the immortal Hall of Famer Wade Boggs? I was gonna, wow, yeah, Wade Boggs. That one I would have gotten. I could have yeah, guessed either Wade Boggs or Fred McGriff. Exactly. But, yeah. 
Oh man, the oldest. This man was born one year after Wade Boggs in 1959. He was a pitcher. Holy cow! He pitched for a lot, a lot of years into his 40s. Was never like an A-list guy. Jamie Moyer bounced. No, <laughs> Jamie Moyer is beyond A-list. He's like A plus list in my book. Okay. No, he but he played into his 40s. He bounced around. By the end of it, he had been on you know some 10, 11, 12 teams. I remember him collecting baseball cards as a kid, as a Mariner, and he always had really bad one-loss records. And then I'll be like, man, this guy must be no good. He went like 5-17, <laughs> and 17, you know, like stuff like that. But he, he lasted a long time. Not a household name, but obviously played a long time. So you've heard it's of It's definitely him. going to be one of those names that we're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Um, I, I do not have a guess. Last name and first name start with the same letter. What is that the letter? letter is M. Um, hmm. Uh, I'm trying to get out Mark Melanson out of my head. It's obviously <laughs> not him. But uh, I actually, I, I have a guess. Now, I did cheat and look it up, but I do have a guess that may, well, actually, I don't know if he, oh, he did, is it Mike Morgan? Mike Morgan. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> I can't believe I thought of that. I looked it up to see if he played for the. I was like, I think I remember him briefly on the D backs. Yeah, the end of his career, he pitched. Uh, goodness gracious, he pitched a lot of. He pitched in 120 games in three years for the D backs. Holy cow. That's actually more appearances than he had in any other uniform in his career. And he was only there three years. Wow. That yeah. is wild. Um, Wow. Yeah. Mike Morgan, 63 years old. He was the fourth overall pick in 1978. Did not know that. And he pitched until 2002. Holy cow. Yeah. He was, that guy was around. Uh, Mike Morgan. So I don't know how Mike Morgan, if he was aware, if he's specifically aware of this, but if I was Mike Morgan, I would let people know all the time I was the oldest living diamondback. (laughs) Like, what a cool thing. Would that be a cool? No, I guess you can't put that on your gravestone, huh? Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> that's the whole yeah. point of the gravestone. <laughs> Prior to this occurrence, was <laughs> oldest living Diamondback. <laughs> Once held title, that's <laughs> world's oldest living Diamondback. I'm actually, I so I had to look it up. Uh, I have long joked the the man who started the first home game in Colorado Rockies history is uh, a dude by the name of Bryn Smith. Bryn Smith pitched uh, 12 years in the big leagues. That was actually the start of his final season uh, in the big leagues. But Bryn Smith, when he made his debut for the Rockies, he was 37 years old. I am 37 years old right now. I urge you to go look up Bryn Smith, who uh, his first name is B-R-Y-N-S-M-I-T-H. I remember him from my baseball card days. He was an ex. Was he an expo? Or he Bryn? was. He was an expo. He was an expo. He was a cardinal. cardinal. Um, Bryn Smith, when he pitched for the Rockies, like if you look up Bryn Smith Rockies, he was purportedly 37 years old. He has the look of like a grizzled 1880s prospector who's just trying to find one big hit in his late 60s. He looks so ancient and apologies to anybody who knows Bryn Smith who's listening to this podcast. He's just now in his late sixties. He looked like, if you look up Bryn Smith in 1993, he is the oldest looking 37 year old to ever exist. And it just makes me wonder like what, uh, what were, what were ball players doing in that era that Bryn Smith looked like that at 37, but he is the oldest living. 
He's yeah, the oldest yeah. living Colorado Rocky, and I'm very happy that that is the case because that's yeah, always been players. De- old guys definitely looked older when we were so young. So much not, older not when just we were young. When we were young, look at right. some of those cards like with Don Sutton or Phil Necro. Yes, and they, they, yes. they did they, live much harder uh, <laughs> than we than we currently do. Um, but yeah, Bryn Smith, there is no, you cannot convince me. There's also a picture of Bryn Smith from like the mid 2010s from a story, uh, in the Santa Maria times, which is some in, in California about him coaching or something. He looks younger, modern day than he did when he was playing in, uh, in the mid nineties, the early nineties. Uh, there's also, I still have this card. I'm just looking now at Brent Smith, Google image results. There is a, uh, a baseball card, an upper deck card of his from that inaugural season for the Rockies where he's fielding a baseball between his legs in spring training. And I'm assuming somebody was just like, all right, I guess we'll use that. It's the only one of Brent Smith that we got. We might as well use that picture. Well, this makes me think like for all anybody associated with a minor league team out there, find yeah. your oldest player. We yeah. Would that's a great idea. No, like who is your oldest living player? How far back do they go? Like some of these teams obviously go back decades and decades and decades. So that like, is a very good idea. Do you have somebody who can beat the Brooklyn Dodger? Yeah. Do we uh, have, maybe? yeah, like a member of the 1942 Rochester Red Wings? Is somebody around? Uh, yeah. That, that, that would be fascinating. I would love to find that. Series. That's possible. That yeah. person could be 98. Something that like that. That would be fun. I bet the oldest living trash panda is still around. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine so. Yes. <laughs> About still to celebrate his 24th birthday. <laughs> still, in the, still in the prime of life. <laughs> just embarking on the prime of life. That would be so sad. It's just like we do this series for the site, and then all of a sudden we just circle back to the, the trash band. This is like Bunny Dachara, who's just like, yep, yeah, no, I'm still still excited. To what does that designation mean to you as the oldest currently <laughs> living trash band? I'm like, well, I had my 25th birthday last week. <laughs> That is some good stuff. Ben, what's coming up uh, in the newsletter? What's uh, what's on the forefront for ballpark guides? Yeah, well, as I said, Northwest Arkansas just came out. We got yeah. uh, Birmingham Barons on the way. I'm working on Rome Braves. Got other people working on Mississippi Braves, on uh, Bowling Green Hot Rods. Um, getting real close, as I said, to getting all that done. And, yeah, the newsletter. Subscribe. Ben's Biz Beat newsletter. Um, every single Thursday, as I mentioned, this one has, you know, a lot of the stuff we just talked about now. And, and also a good question about, um, this was to me inspired when, uh, it was Babe Ruth's birthday. And I saw that mentioned on Twitter. And that reminded me when I was in Fayetteville and I went to a place that is now just a department of transportation building, but it has a plaque, a historical marker saying that Babe Ruth had his first professional home run there in like March, 1918 or something like that. And that got me thinking in the newsletter, I ask a question every week, you know, always encourage reader feedback, you know, for people to share their favorite um, or just places, you know, statues, uh, plaques, historical markers, museums, things they've come across in their own minor league baseball travels, either in their hometown or visiting elsewhere. Um, just little peripheral, fun baseball history related things that you find on the road or that are located near you. So I've already started to get some responses to that. And I think that's a topic to think about and uh, hit me up if you got anything to share. And uh, I bet the a good chunk of next week's newsletter will be dedicated to, to just that. That is fantastic. You can find Benjamin Hill, of course, on Twitter at Ben's Biz. He's on Instagram at the Ben's Biz and uh, get in touch with him however you may. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. By the way, happy birthday, Harry. Tomorrow oh, yeah. Is, uh, is, my Bear, son. is yeah. Harry's second birthday, Ben's son. 
big happy birthday to Harry, uh, who enjoys cake. Get him a good one. He loves cake. He calls it birthday, so it's all good. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. Big thanks to uh, Cam Robinson for stopping by the show today. And uh, no Josh Jackson, you may have noticed. Josh big leagued us on the minor league podcast. So that's ironic. No, Josh uh, has had all kinds of uh, projects lately for uh, MLB pipeline, for for Milb, uh, for all that kind of stuff. So he was getting caught up on all that. So ghosts will return. He sent us an email titled Ghosting Ghosts, and that's what he did this week. Uh, by the way, Cam gave us some very cool stuff after we stopped recording, uh, and his story is awesome, man. Uh, he what a What a fun kid to get a chance to talk to. Yeah, I just loved all those details of, like, he was a quarterback. And somebody just said, throw it like that, which is not really how you should teach mechanics. Right. By the way, I wouldn't, if you have a child at home, I would probably don't teach him that from like age five. Yeah. That stage in your, in your development, like you could probably handle it, but yeah, I I wouldn't recommend starting that way. No, no, but it worked out for him. I mean, that's the thing about baseball, right? Is that there are, there is no one straight route to making the big leagues. There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Um, So hearing that from him was really cool. I really like that story about the cutter was just like, oh, it just it does this and don't change a thing because it's unbelievable in its own way. Um, and also the fact that like the reports on him, which, you know, as somebody who does the Brewers top 30, I've talked right. to people and they're like, oh, yeah, he added a cutter. And to hear that from him where he's just like, it didn't really add it. It just developed naturally. Um, and that's how he throws his four seamer is interesting, too. So, yeah, loved getting all that stuff from him um, and him just like you said, like after we hit stopped hitting record him just telling more stories about his dad what it's like you know it just his dad sounds like the most principal principal yeah yeah which which makes all the sense in the world um being both supportive but wanting to be there and, and explain the reality of the situation yeah at every turn that's that's good to have in your family pretty um, amazing also sounds like he almost went to winter ball yeah which, which uh, is for his sake cool too. i'm kind of happy he didn't he had a lot of innings last year mm-hmm. as a reliever i get it you don't lead the minor leagues and saves without getting a lot of work in um, but you know, something to watch down the pike. Of, Absolutely. You know, he's got Dominican heritage on his mom's side. So maybe that's something we'll be talking about with Cam Robinson down the line. Pretty cool stuff. And a huge thanks to Cam for stopping by. And that'll do it for this week's episode of the show before the show for Benjamin Hill and Sam Dykstra and Cam Robinson of the Milwaukee Brewers. My name is Tyler Mon. We'll catch you next week.